La pendule fait tic-tac, tic-tic. Les oiseaux du lac, pic-pac, pic-pic. Glou-glou-glou font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche, ding-ding-dong. Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum. Tout avec lui dit boum. Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille. Hello rugby friends and welcome to a new edition of the French Rugby Connection podcast with moi, Véronique Lindieu, and with moi, Tom Dixon. Tom, how are you? Everything's lovely, Véronique. There's an awful lot of sport happening. Really? What kind of other sport? Well, I'm only interested in the oval ball. So, so everything else on the television, taking up our channels and moving our favorite programs, It's of no interest to us whatsoever. We're only For... interested in rugby, aren't we? <laughs> of course, of course, because we kept looking at some of the matches, you know, it wasn't that great to be honest with you. So I, I don't think we're, we're missing too much, you know, at that stage. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about the Oval Bowl. So, um, yeah, last week we couldn't do our program because, strangely enough, I was in in La Belle France, but I was working really, really hard, so I had no chance, you know, to spend some of my time with Tom, you know, and review and wax lyrical about Toulouse and, and other teams. So the top 14 is back. Top 14 is back. This weekend was a faux doublon, a, a full doubling up where the internationals were at home, but most of them weren't allowed to play because they're being rested. But a few of them did play, and a few of them played quite well. Going to talk about Roman Natamak, who had an awful autumn international season, but he got his mojo back. We'll hear Toulouse didn't do very well. So now rugby is back, and it's quite interesting. And we've got European matches around the corner, so teams have to click back into place and get working uh, pretty pronto. So really looking forward to that. It's an exciting time, and everything's very close. Yes, but do you know that Wasp and Vorster will not be replaced? They will not. There are two Wasp players in the top 14 already who have played. Mm -hmm. was, I know that. There's more than that, but I'm particularly interested in Jack Wallace, who has come to Toulouse and has already played about 30 minutes. And his brother mm. Tom played for Bordeaux. So we're going to have an interesting time. And Jack Willis did say actually in L'Equipe, in, I beg your pardon, in Le Midi Olympique that Toulouse was the place that he really wanted to go, you know, in order to progress his game. So it's looking good. It's all about uh, self-improvement already. He's a great, great player, but well done for, for your CEO you know, to get him. Yeah. So now we'll have to see whether you can converse with him and maybe we can invite him to our podcast in a few weeks' times. This is what I was going to say. I, I know our podcast is listened in the changing rooms of all the top 14 teams because we speak English the same language as they do. And so reaching out to Jack Willis in Toulouse, answer your bloody DMs on Twitter. I would love to take you out for a burger at Brennan's and catch up with you and record you for this podcast so our listeners can hear what it's like. So, Jack, get in touch. I'll reach out <laughs> to you again. Only around the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Always, okay. Yeah, always, uh, we are always ready for French Rugby Connection, that's for sure. So, yeah, so Jack Willis. So tell me more about the, okay, the game Toulouse was playing. I beg your pardon, was Lyon. Lyon was playing against Toulouse this weekend. Yes, indeed. It was an annoying match. It was Sunday night at nine o'clock, which is my least favourite time 
dear listener, I know you're bored of this, but I just can't understand how anyone thinks it's okay to play rugby at that time of night. But they do it. It was a rubbish first half. Teams getting reconstituted with a mixture of oldies and newies. It was six, seven at half time. Lots of errors. Lots of defences being very strong. It, it it really didn't want you to stay up to watch the second half. But the second half did start, and Lyon were dominant and very good. I have to say, there is their fifth victory in six matches. They did well. The match was two tries each. But Lyon did win 21-14. For me, it was largely a story of Roman Tamak. His brother Theo was on the field and doing rather well. Mm-hmm. Roman had had a very average performance for Les Bleus in his six weeks away. He was hardly present against Australia, South Africa and Japan. And it, even with that, usually you'd expect a bit of a downer after returning to the club and going straight into play. But actually, he bossed it. I, I liked his game. He missed a penalty, but he's got a wonderful first try with a delightful kick ahead for himself to dot down. A, a speciality of his friend Jalibert, who had done the same thing the day before in Bordeaux. He had a fantastic try-saving tackle on David uh, Ninashvili. So it was, an, it was a good game, but Toulouse lost. They didn't deserve to win. The Hugo Moller... And and what was how is uh, Monsieur Dupont these days, the minister? Well, maybe this match showed the Dupont dépendance, where Statue de dépendance, indeed. Because Monsieur Dupont was banned for four matches for a very accidental and rather benign tackle in the air on Cheslin Colby. Not to take away the importance of it, Cheslin Colby could have broken his neck, and you get your punishment based on the potential outcome. But it must be said that only very recently, Dupont's Dupont's penalty was reduced from a four-match absence to a two-match absence, which he has already served. So right. Dupont, Dupont was not even on the sidelines, he was resting, which mm-hmm. I'm quite pleased about because we do need to rest him. The ban wasn't all bad. We do need people to have their, their time off. But he'll be back in time for the Munster game in two weeks' time, which will be fab. Excellent. Good news for our affiliation. Oh gosh, there, if there is one team that really didn't do well, we had a t- rubbish week, according to their coach, a rubbish game as well. And they, they seriously need to to go back to the draw, drawing room, drawing board, and and you know shut up and and work really hard. It's a cast. Cast was. Annihilated. The the total score was fifty three to seven. You know, which is a bit surprising. You know, bearing in mind that cast, if we if you remember, I mean, they, they played the final last year against uh, Montpellier. So, uh, but it happens in all teams. You have some little bit of pick and drop. You know, but yes, they really need to anal- analyze. And in French, you would say ils ont eu la fessée. They got really really spanked hard by La Rochelle. Oh, they did. And what a score. But to to carry on your point, out of the bottom five in the table, you've got mm-hmm. top 14 finalists. You've got four top 14 finalists of recent years in the bottom five. Clermont, who would imagine them being towards the bottom? bordeaux Begler, Castres, Perpignan, and going back away, because Perpignan won the top 14 when Dan Carter was there about 10 years ago. But even so, these are high-scoring teams, and they're all at the bottom. Which goes to show my perennial point of how close the competition is 
And your point that you just made, that everyone has their peaks and troughs, and a few games can really knock them out of position in the table. Hence the reason why, you know, the top 14 is such an exciting competition because anything can, can happen. It's not predictable because it's so close at that stage and the quality as well or the, the disaster of the games as well, yeah, can be can be interesting to watch. So, yes, yeah, so you, you watch a bit of Perpignan against Bordeaux, I believe, as well. Yes, now that was a close game. And who would have thought that Perpignan would beat Bordeaux? Perfect are a perennial bottom three or four of the table, except for when they pay for Dan Carter, and Bordeaux are perpetual fourth, fifth or sixth of the table. Now, Bordeaux had indeed lost their trainer. We hinted at our last meeting that this was on the cards, that Bordeaux was so low down that Furios Urios was going to be spending more time with his checks and his vines and his books. So they did eject their trainer and they have a new trainer who is almost unpronounceable. Is Larry. That's fine. But it was much for muchness. Bordeaux weren't playing badly. It was under great scrutiny. Their opening part of the match was quite classy. They were doing well. Um, they, who would have thought? Uh, uh, Perpignan, sorry, excuse me. At uh, Perpignan, they party well. They're on the beach side. It's always nice weather. It sounds like my time of, uh, you know, (laughs) worry. Okay, yeah. They're Catalans. They love to party. They're on the beach. They were 14-3 down at home, and Mm -hmm. they came back to squeeze a victory 23-20. It, That's really good. Very impressive. Very, very happy because, you know, they are the, the outsider, you know, the black sheep of uh, between brackets or from the top 14. So, yeah, but, amazing. Why why do you think they played so well? What happened? What was the the, well, the magic touch? Well, I, th- I think it was Bordeaux that they had a great start and then they just lost it. They lost their discipline. They lost all their automatisme, the, the team play their discipline, they lost their throw-ins, just as Perpignan started to tick, way above their humble position. What's I wish I'd have been there. Jalibert uh, on the pitch? Jalibert was there, and he, he he scored nice and early in the 24th minute. He did his little up and over. The other point to mention about the game is that there were two yellow cards on each side. So really bad discipline. Um mm-hmm. I must say, the score makes it sound exciting, and to some extent, it was from television. But if you, yeah, that that, that kind of yellow cardism is it gets you nowhere really. So no, there there were good moments. There were good players. Tom Wallace was there for Bordeaux as well, and we love scores that are exciting like that, where the lead changes hand. Um, yeah. Another exciting game that happened as well the last weekend was Stade Francais against Toulon. And oh, that Toulon. must have been good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I should have been there. I should have watched them. I was in a, mm. visiting my parents in Britain. So, yeah, they were basically led by 9 to nil, 25 minutes, 25 minutes before the end of the game. And Toulon really, really ramped up the games, and they won with a final score of seventeen to twelve. Oh. So yes, that uh, Toulon is going from 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 growth to growth, and I think 
Stade Français hasn't done too well, you know, in the last few weeks, bearing in mind the situation that we talked about, about uh, Quesado. So, uh, yes, it's a shame for them to be beaten at home by Toulon. They would have expected to win that one. But Toulon are blowing hot and cold this year, aren't they? You never know which team's going to turn up. Yeah. And I'm just looking... But it was an ugly win, you know, from Toulon. It wasn't it wasn't the prettiest, prettiest game, but they got the win. And it was good for them as well because they lost twice beforehand in against Bordeaux, it was 27-26, and against Montpellier, 16-26. So I suppose it was good for them. Yeah. For their team spirit. So Racing against Clermont, what was the score? Would you believe it? Right, tell, the tell mighty Clermont, the finalists in Europe and France for so many times, and Racing have always been bumping around, not really bringing it together. Racing 46, Clermont 12. They just, it is a lesson in outclassing Clermont. You can't blame the internationals, the injuries, or the bands, because everyone has them, as Hugo Moller clearly said. But wrestling was so dominant, they made Clermont look like boys. They were magnificent in the scrum. They were lovely in the lineouts, And the back line was as strong as anything. And they were able to score seemingly at will. At last, Veronik, at last, wrestling, this team of stars, appear to be playing lovely rugby as a team and not as a group of individuals strung together. So that's the attractive rugby they ought to be playing. Credit where credit's due. I'm very happy for that. They had the bonus offensive after 30 minutes. Hats off to them. It was lovely to see Christian Wade, previously a wasp, previously in the States playing games. That is correct, because he had a, a stint playing for the NFL, I believe. He did indeed come back. He's been, he's been a superstar in the States, and now he's joining the superstar team in Paris. Racing 92, full of lovely people. But now wrestling six tries against two. It was a really good showing. It was a team effort from number one to 23. The replacements were great. Everyone played their part. It was a fantastic game of rugby. And guess what, Tom? What, Veronique? <laughs> this week I have to raise my beret. Actually, in Britain, yeah, I bought a new beret slide through now, which is nice. Perfect timing. It's probably my sixth or my seventh one. I have to raise my beret for Montpellier. Played really, really well. You know, uh, kudos to Philippe Saint André and its staff because you know they started really badly. They were playing against Bayonne, and one of the uh, players, Florian. Ver Arge, apologies for the pronunciation, who uh, received a red card. So they played with 14 men against 15 for most most of the game. So and and they got not only they played with 14 men, but they also managed to get the bonus offensif. What was the final score? The final score was 35 to 14. That's thrashing. Yes. Very, very impressive. So, Philippe Saint-André, if you listen to that, uh, this podcast, uh, felicitations. That was very, very good. So, well done to Philippe. In terms of successful players, Ben Lam, as a winger, was absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, the players really gave out everything. You know, they played with their characters. And, uh, yes, it, it's, again, Philippe, and all the players in raise my, my beret for you this week. So this is my beret moment. 
That's fantastic. I, th- I agree. Montpellier are showing themselves really strong, and they're they're, they're very optimistic that they'll make the top six, if not the top four by the end of the season. They'll be around. But tell me, what colour is your berry this time? It's a light blue, actually. So oh, I've got white, I've got a red one, I've got a grey one, and I've got some more somewhere. I don't have a black one. Still. I would look too much like a pea basket. Probably. All of mine are black, and they are very basque as well. So. Yes. Uh, the ones I raise, dear listener, are black. <laughs> yeah. So Paul against Breve. Paul won uh, 22 against 6. So uh, I think... Breve. Breve are out of it now, aren't they? They've got, they got 13 points when Castro 12th with 21. Breve, uh, I hate to say it, they've ruined their season already. Well, you never know because, you know, I'm, a, I'm more of a person who's, you know, always look at a cup half full rather than half empty. Don't forget, we still have 15 weekends left. And if you look back at some of the teams that were really, that suffered, you know, last year, for instance, Toulon were at the bottom as well two, two years ago. So I'm, I'm hoping for the Phoenix rising from it, the ashes. It's not quite ashes yet, but obviously they had a, a change of management and, and so on. So, yes, I'm, I'm still positive. They will ramp up. And it's good news for Poe as well. Poe and Bayonne are the, are the ones fighting above their weight. We, we like that, don't we? Yes, we do. We do, especially bearing in mind they don't have the budget that some of the teams have. You know, a bit like Brive as well. And uh, yeah, yeah, so top 14. So tell me more about who is topping the top 14 right now. It is still Toulouse, but they are four. The, Toulouse have 35 points and La Rochelle have 31 points. So the lead is greatly reduced. Good on La Rochelle. As, as you've said, they thrash Castre. Then behind them, we've got moving up Racing 92 and Lyon, very impressively, and Montpellier have come up. Stade Francais are down in sixth with 27. Then at their now, obviously sixth is the first of the people who make the playoffs. So that's the important one is to be in the top sixth. And just below them are Toulon on 26 and Bayonne on 25 and Poe on 24, which is all very impressive. Then I mentioned before the five bottom ones are all big players. Clermont, Bordeaux-Bergler, Castres. And then Perpignan and Breve at the bottom, not in a good place. So top 14, still tight, still anybody's competition. But as we go into the European stage of the year, Toulouse and La Rochelle and Racing Metro in particular are top of the tops. I have to say, it's no longer called Racing Metro, but Racing 90. (laughs) I always get that wrong. Yeah. We still use the word linesman rather than... Referee's assistant, uh, yeah. man of the match instead of player of the match. Uh, I, I'll do my best. Yeah. So tell me more about the Prodi 2. What's happening? Well, if you think the top 14 is close, let me give you a selection of scores of Pro Day 2. Carcassonne, 21. Agen, 20. One point in it. Colomier, 19. Grenoble, 18. One point in it. Massy, 22. Soyer Angoulême, 23. Here I go again. One point in it. Montauban against Vannes, your favourites, 12-12. 
zero um, points in it. So that's, that's me selecting the close ones. But gosh, how many of those are so close? So it's great. Other ones, Bézier, Thrashed, Rouen, Biarritz, Just About Beat, Aix-en-Provence, and Oriamax Beach, Aurillac. But to have games that, so many games that close really shows you how competitive it is. So Biarritz have fought their way into the top two, knocking out Van. So we've got Oyanax, Biarritz, Van, Colomier, Grenoble, and Agen as our top six. And all very close. There's hardly anything in it. It's a great competition, Veronica. Thoroughly recommend. It is. news tom so you mentioned about jack willis you know moved to toulouse and yeah i, so I can tell you more about uh, jack willis for our listeners if you want to he's 25 years old he started last thursday with his contract playing for le stade toulousain ah so he would have played against lots of the toulouse players indeed indeed in 2016 so we're talking about six years ago yeah so Yeah, it's pro- actually, I think it's, it's the same age as, as Antoine Dupont, so I wouldn't be surprised yet. Yeah, they, they must have played um, against each other. He always wanted to play for a French club. Uh, so what well, his wish has come true a bit earlier than expected because of, demise, because of the demise of Wasp. But in terms of exodus from the premiership, you know, due to situation, unfortunately, unfortunate situation due to... The clubs, some clubs, you know, going bankrupt. Paolo Odogvu, Odogvu, and Vincent Cor, lovely, lovely man, former Saras. Was who play for for the box as well are playing now for Stade Français, and Dadn Robson has signed for Paul and Ali Crosdale, lovely. <laughs> They're all lovely, in my opinion. <laughs> Ali Crosdale. It's high, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Ali Crosdale, you know, former, obviously, he plays for, for the uh, Scottish team against Perpignan. For the benefit of some listeners who may not realise, tradi- I know this is French rugby connections, but traditionally we have very few active English players in the French top 14 because by playing overseas, they are excluded from possible selection for England. That rule has been suspended for Wasps and Worcester just till the rest of the season, which allows some English players to come out and play in France because many teams in Britain have filled their salary cap and have no gap for these players. So the RFU have very wisely allowed players to get match time over here in France, I can say, and still be eligible for the World Cup in England. So a very wise, pragmatic decision that is to everyone's advantage And we get to see these players in real life before the World Cup. Definitely, yeah. Uh, they had to do something because, you know, it was so un- such an unfortunate uh, position, you know, they, they, they were in. And I, I made a mistake. So Ali Crosdale is going to play for Perpignan, not against Perpignan. You know, gotcha. <laughs> I got my, my words muddled. So 10 months before the, the start of the World Cup, So all already, you know, it's, it's looking it's looking good following the Autumn International uh, Games. Well, we, we have the Six Nations between then as well. 
Do you think France will get another Grand Slam? I don't know. Let's be. Shall we be greedy? Shall we get? Shall we go for another one? Well, of course. Well, of course, there is a risk that that won't, you know, get another another win. So yeah, let's wait and see. But I have to say, I've been quite impressed by the rise of Italy lately. You know, they played. They are really. They are ramping up. Well, that will be because Capioso of Stadtrisan keeps scoring tries for them. But certainly, it's lovely to see Italy doing well and Georgia as well. Sorry, Mike. And the 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 gap between the big teams and the second teams is shrinking, as it is everywhere, and it's to everyone's advantage. I would like to point out, if I may, Veronique, that the sevens is happening again next year. The seven, the international sevens tournament that stops off at Hong Kong, Singapore, Cape Town, Toulouse, and Twickenham is again coming to Toulouse next year. So, for those listeners of French Rugby Connections who would like to see quite possibly some World Cup players strutting their stuff in the sevens game, as often happens just before a big tournament, it's happening around the 12th of May in Toulouse which is the week before Twickenham, uh, oh. cheaper. It's only about €25 Euros a day. So Friday, Saturday and Sunday, there's a try every 90 seconds. Absolute athletes on the pitch. Come and, come and join them in Toulouse. Definitely. Sounds, sounds great. Toulouse is a place to be. To <laughs> have rugby, definitely. Uh, so I've got some news regarding Gabin Villiers, who plays for for Toulon and also the French national team. He was injured last weekend when he was playing against Le Stade Francais and he will be out for six weeks at least, which is not good, not good at all. But we also wish him, because he suffered a fracture of his peroni, so we wish him a prompt recovery, Gamia, because he's... One of this kind is absolutely an absolutely brilliant, brilliant player. If I may, Veronique, I would like to add my my voice, our voice, to the many people giving tribute to Dodie Weir, the Scottish rugby player, age 52, succumbed to motor neurone disease, who was such a fantastic character of rugby, straddling the amateur era and the professional era, and who left us this week. He raised millions of pounds for research into MND. He's really pushed forward the awareness and approaching the cure. He was a great rugby player, great man, and great hero of many. So I'll raise my barrier to Doddy as well. He was an exceptional human being, and he has done so much to raise awareness of MND and raise funds as well, you know, for research against that that terrible, horrifying, you know, disease, which is which seems to be hitting, you know, quite a lot of former rugby men. So, yeah, our sincere condol- condolences. They will always be remembered with great, great fondness. Well, we can look forward to this weekend in the top 14. Yes. Uh, okay. Who's playing? Who's playing? Tell me I, more. I get to go to a match. I get to see Toulouse versus Perpignan. Now, that's going to be an interesting match after the results. If Perpignan can beat Bordeaux, I'm sure they'll be full of themselves. And it's at a reasonable time. It's Saturday at 5 p.m. So I'm very happy with that. Obviously, I would say Toulouse will win. Before that, we have Clermont against Montpellier. 
Now that's going to be interesting because Montpellier was so strong and Claremont got spanked. Yeah. So which one's going to react well? I I still think Claremont ought to win that. They're playing at home, but it'll be close. Certainly worth watching. Bordeaux Bergler against Breve. Both of them really need a victory, but Bordeaux more likely to get it, I think. A home win there, I'd say. Bayonne against Lyon. Well, the mighty Bayonne are eighth and Lyon are fourth. So actually, you may say that's close enough to be a home victory. But you wouldn't bet anything past Lyon nowadays. They're, they're on fire, aren't they? Especially having just beaten Toulouse. Toulouse, Perpignan, we recovered. Of course, that's a five-point home victory. Dad Francais against La Rochelle. Would you like to call that one? I'm expecting La Rochelle. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. An away win in Paris is always difficult. But yeah, I think La Rochelle are up for it. They, they're on a roll after thrashing Castro. They ought to be up for it. I'm with you on that. Casper against Poe, I'm a bit open-minded, but are 12th and Poe are 9th. So one would say Poe might do it, but I think both of them are slightly out of position. It probably ought to be the other way around. So so I'd be quite confident saying the numbers are wrong. Castro should win that. Um, I agree with you. I, I think, you know, Castro will will win. He will be in the, the bag, especially after the horrendous defeat. Yes. And then Sunday night, the one keeping us up at nine o'clock at night this week is Toulon at home to Racing 92. That's going to be, that's going to be tasty. Definitely. <laughs> I, I would probably say Toulon. Toulon. Yeah, no, I'd like Toulon to get it. I think Racing 92, uh, they run hot and cold. And although they've been hot, it'd be lovely to see them keep it up, but it would be a bit frightening if they do. So I'd quite like Toulon to win. <laughs> yeah. And in terms of ranking, so so it's very close at the top. It is tight, but it's exciting. And we enter a new stage of the season as we go into the European matches, the big winter rainy matches where the bulls dropped. And, and then we have the Six Nations. So it's an exciting time. Definitely. Uh, when you think that we finish in forty in thirty five degree, forty degree heat in the summer, awful lot of rugby to be played between now and then. Just hope the pitch lasts. I don't know whether you saw the France Japan game. It was at the stadium of Toulouse, and after the first try, the pitch was awful. All the turf had lifted up. That's always yeah. It's always been a problem because the stadium of Toulouse, the ground is on an island, so it gets waterlogged. And it's built on sand. So footballers can do whatever they want. But when the rugby team goes there, the first scrum just tears up the ground altogether. It's it's another reason not to have rugby and football grounds. That's that's a, yeah, that's a valid reason, I think, as well. So that's it, you know, we're nearly halfway the top 14. Indeed, it's it's so exciting. I think the round ball game is getting advanced as well, but I'm going la la la, I'm not listening. <laughs> uh, there may be a competition happening in the Middle East. But uh, <laughs> this is this is French rugby connections. We're, we're only interested in the top 14 and, and the internationals, aren't we? But you'd be surprised that some of the former rugby players started playing football. And it's really good for their skill, you know. I mean, I'm talking about from 
what I heard from as from some some Saracens players, for instance, Alex Good started as a player. I think it was a he was playing for an academy, but he was he was I can't remember. I don't know whether it was Chelsea or not. And Alex Lozovsky as well. And he was rejected to play in the academy because he was too short. And then you look at him, he's, he's a six-footer. And, you know, <laughs> big loss for football, but great game for, for Saracens, you know. So, yeah, I think it's, 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 like, it's interlinked. And, yeah, if we had to compare <laughs> rugby with football, you know, if you look at how much... Some of the players have been paid. It's outrageous. It's... I know. I know. So maybe rugby players choose their sport for the love of it and not for the money. Whereas, but you're right. Many sportsmen, many sports people can, can play very high level in more than one sport and have to make a choice. I remember Luke McAllister, who is an all-black, who played for Toulouse after the 2011 World Cup, he was actually brought up in Manchester and played alongside David Beckham in Manchester United youth team before following his father into rugby. So that, that it takes all sorts, and many sportsmen follow the different sports. And it would be churlish not to acknowledge that there's a very good football World Cup happening at the moment that may be taking centre stage. But we, we do rugby, Veronique, and I love it. So. <laughs> I exactly. Especially the fun bit with rugby is that there is the first half, second half, and then what we call la troisième mi-temps, where everybody becomes friends again and congratulate and yeah and party and so it's not least with the players. The players are very accessible in rugby. I've had a beer with Antoine Dupont and the rest of them on several occasions. Oh. No, but in England as well. The, <laughs> if, if we go to rugby, often the players will come out to the car park and have drinks with people and talk to people and do selfies. It's it's the accessibility. And in soccer, they get, have their Ferraris driven away by their butler and chauffeur, and they never mix with the public. So, oh, I mean, it's just the, uh, the the smallest scale of rugby makes it more approachable. It's a different world. It's all about, about supply and demand as well, because, you know, the football is number one sport worldwide, watched by billions and billions of, of aficionados, and rugby is more of a niche, but Titos and the value of rugby are, yeah, are quite... It's a different, different world altogether. So, my lovely rugby friends, I hope you enjoyed our, our chat about the French rugby. And also a little bit of international rugby. And we'll be back next week. And you can listen to Tom and myself again. It was lovely to talk to you this week. I'm looking forward to what's happening this weekend and discussing it next week over the airways on French Rugby Connections. Au revoir. Au revoir. La pendule fait tic tac tic tic. Les oiseaux du lac pic pac pic pic. Glou 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 font tous les dindons. Et la jolie cloche ding ding dong. Mais boum, quand notre cœur fait boum, tout avec lui dit boum. Et c'est l'amour qui s'éveille.